Okay, we've just been through Christmas, and I, I think that um, in the general Australian community, um, probably most of what people know uh, about Jesus is through uh, hearing Christmas stories and carols that we have around at this time. I think if most people would derive their understanding of Jesus from that sort of thing. Um, most of us have, then are very familiar uh, with how the story of Jesus' life begins. Um, because we tell the story of his birth over and over again in many different ways over the Christmas period. But we, if you were here, remember last week we started looking at some of the stories that we have in the Gospels that tell us about Jesus' childhood after his birth. And I, we saw that there are actually only a very few things that we know about Jesus' childhood. But those things that we do know, I think, can help us to understand more clearly who Jesus was and what he came to do. So why was this baby, who we've sung again and again, he was born in a stable and laid in a manger, why was he actually such an important person when he grew up? And I pointed out in my sermon last week that these stories that we have of Jesus in the Gospels are similar to the origin stories that we have in modern-day superheroes. Uh, something that many of us seem to enjoy at the moment is watching uh, and reading stories about people who have a special destiny or a special power and who can do things that ordinary human beings can't do. That's a superhero. Um, but we do particularly enjoy the stories, I think, when the possibility is that we could do them too, if only under the right circumstances. So what I mean is, so some, some superheroes were born that way, like Superman. That's just who they are. But others were made, and they were ordinary people before that, like Spider-Man. He was just a regular kid before he got bitten by a radioactive spider. Could happen to you. Um, <laughs> And I think these are the superhero characters that people love the most because they're relatable to us. And Jesus' origin story actually has this kind of angle. It's both a description of his special identity as the Son of God, but also the human life that he shares with us. So last week I looked at what we can learn from the story of the circumcision and the naming of Jesus as a baby and how that fills in our understanding of his purpose to fulfill God's promises to his people. That was a sign that Jesus would be a person who actually lived the life that was intended for all the people of God. He would do what we couldn't do, and he would, do, he would live the way we couldn't live so that we could be saved. Now, in our reading today, from Luke chapter 2 as well, we hear about Jesus being presented in the temple as a newborn and his meeting with Simeon. And the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 35, is set 40 days after the birth of Jesus. Mary and Joseph took him up to Jerusalem, to the temple. And they came up there because they had a religious responsibility as Jewish people after the birth of their son. So the custom of the day was for women to come out after they had recovered from childbirth and make a ceremonial offering of thanks to God and to restore themselves to their normal life in worship. And that's the pair of doves or the two young pigeons that are mentioned in verse 24 that they offered. But more importantly for our topic today, they also came to the temple, as it says in verse 22, to bring Jesus and to present him to the Lord. And this refers to another part of the Jewish law where every firstborn son in every family was considered to belong to God. In ancient cultures like this, the firstborn son was obviously the most significant child in the family because they would carry on the leadership of the family and the inheritance. And they're the symbol of your family's future. But God had laid down this principle in the law that because he was the Lord of their nation and he was their hope, 
and he was their future. The first and the most significant of everything that they had was to be consecrated to him, offered to him, including your firstborn son. And so when you consecrate something, it's a church term, it means that what you do is you set it aside from ordinary things and you designate it. This is special. This is for God's purposes. For instance, when a church building is open, it's consecrated as a place of worship. And so after they had their firstborn son, families in Israel would bring the son to the temple and make an offering. And what that was doing was symbolically buying back their son from God because he belonged to him and take him home then to live with them. So Mary and Joseph had to do this for Jesus and that's why they came to the temple that day. And that's where they met Simeon and they talked to him about who Jesus was going to be as he grew up. Now, there's a lot going on in this short conversation between Mary and Joseph and Simeon, uh, and a lot of it refers back to prophecies in the Old Testament. But we can see that Simeon speaks mostly about who this baby Jesus is going to be and what he's going to do when he grows up. Now, Simeon's a very special character in the Gospels because he is one of the very few people in that story who actually understood who Jesus was and what he was going to do. Even um, Jesus' very close friends, his disciples, were often confused about the true identity of Jesus. And even his family, including Mary and Joseph, only gradually understood who he was. But Simeon actually seems to know everything about him, we're told, because the Spirit of God, so the Holy Spirit, opened his eyes to who this baby was before Jesus had even done anything. And it says in our reading that Simeon had been told by God that he would not die before seeing the Messiah with his own eyes. Now, we say the word Messiah a lot. If you don't know what the word Messiah means, it's the Hebrew word for someone who is anointed with oil. In Greek, the word Messiah is translated as Christ, which is, of course, the title that we often give to Jesus. And to be anointed with oil in a special ceremony was what you would do um, as the symbol of someone who was a king or a priest. We had King Charles anointed last year, um, someone who would be a special leader. And Simeon was one of these Jewish people who believed that God was going to send a special king to save his people and to bring God's kingdom into the world. And this king would be the Messiah, the anointed one. And the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon, well, Jesus is going to be this person. Now, Simeon also seems to know things about Jesus that even surprise Mary and Joseph. Um, we read earlier in the Christmas story over the Christmas period that the angels told Mary and Joseph that their son would be a wonderful saviour and a blessed person. But Simeon knows that this is not the whole story as well and that there's going to be actually a darker and sadder side to the destiny of Jesus. He knows that being the Messiah uh, is not going to be just a wonderful and powerful identity for Jesus, but it's also one that's going to bring suffering and pain to him and to those who know him. And so Simeon has a special word to Mary about this. He says to her, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So Simeon is saying here to Mary that Jesus, as the Messiah, as this special king from God, he's actually going to cause problems and divisions in the world. Some people will be for him, some people will be against him and he will reveal what's inside people's hearts by his presence. He will reveal the way things really are. He will uncover evil in the world and show it for what it is. And those who love him and follow him will suffer, even uh, his mother. In that last verse, you can see he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. 
So in allowing God to work for her, Mary will go through this intense sadness because as the Messiah, Jesus is going to die. And that's how he will save his people from their sins. And so Mary will have to watch her son die on the cross and this little baby that Jesus, that Simeon is carrying in his arms. So you can see that these are very weighty things that Simeon is saying about the baby Jesus and his destiny and the things that the Holy Spirit revealed to him. So Simeon saw in this baby Jesus being presented in the temple that he had this future life of suffering and of glory that God had planned for him. So that's our story today. It's an interesting story then, but I think it might be hard to see initially how it can be make much difference to us here practically. Um, so I want to think now about what we can say about ourselves uh, and our own lives on the basis of this story of Jesus being presented in the temple. Now, so as I mentioned earlier, we all know we've just been through a season when we talk a lot about the birth of Jesus and the story around it. And one of the thing, funny things that I've noticed is that it's very possible for people to hear the Christmas story told dozens of times and yet not still really know what Christians believe about who Jesus really was. Um, many people, even those who've been around the church for quite a while or had some Christian education, um, have the impression that we believe that Jesus was just a man who was very spiritually aware and taught us things about God, um, a great religious and moral teacher. So then Christianity is mostly about understanding the teachings of Jesus and living as the kind of good people that he was. You might have heard this said. Um, a number of years ago, I ran a um, baptism preparation class at a previous parish I was at for a, a group of parents who were interested in getting their babies and small children baptised in our church, which was nice. Um, but I was interested during one class to realise during our conversation that every single couple present thought that what I've just said is what the Christian church actually believes about Jesus, that he was just a man who taught us a bit about God. Um, and they were very surprised when I told them, actually, what we believe is very different to that. Um, sometimes at this service, I haven't done it for a while, maybe we'll do it soon, is we say what we call the Nicene Creed, which is a statement of our explanation of what Christians believe, and it was put together in the fourth century. So I want to read to you, here's how the Nicene Creed actually explains the Christmas story. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. So what, we meant, what this means, and to paraphrase all of that, is that what we believe is that in the birth of Jesus, God himself took on a human nature and came to live on earth. Is that what you think about Jesus? It may be a surprise for people to hear that said. It was funny, at that class, uh, one of the ladies said, I've got to go home and ask my mum about this. If that's really true, Andrew. Went, okay, all right, you can tell me, uh, tell me if, if your mum knows. That, yeah. Um, so... The reason that this is important is that it means that being a Christian is not just about having new beliefs about God, and it's not just about developing your morality or your good behaviour, it's not just about doing actions of a religious kind, it's about the experience of God changing you. In, in the end, it's really about undergoing a very radical change in our nature and the kind of creatures and beings that we are. I've quoted this saying before here, uh, but it's worth repeating and keeping in our mind as we think about the early years of Jesus. Um, in the early church, the Christian faith was often summarised by this following saying, 
God became human so that humans could become like God. God became human so that humans could become like God. And this was a description of the path that the very early Christians thought that they had started on as the followers of Jesus. They were saying that Jesus has brought God's presence into humanity and opened up a pathway for us of entering into a living union and relationship with God. This is what human beings were made for and, this, and Jesus has made that possible for us to be completed. And so when we think up then about the baby Jesus in the arms of Simeon in the temple, what Simeon is seeing, I believe, through the Holy Spirit, is the destiny of this fully human and fully divine person. He is seeing that this little boy will make it possible for human beings to become like God. So Simeon is holding in his arms the very first complete and fully perfect human being who will ever live. And this is what, I think this is what Simeon is seeing when he says to us, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Uh, Christians are very often keen to emphasise that Jesus was God. And I think sometimes even to the extent that we can sometimes forget that he was actually a real human being. Um, but Jesus was, we believe, also fully human, as human as you or I. Um, but he was human, I think, in the way that human beings are supposed to be, which means being filled with the presence and the power and the joy and the spirit of God. That's what it means, actually, to be fully human, is to have that experience. So I think this needs to affect the way that we think of ourselves and all the people around us, all the humans in our lives. It means that all of us have this potential, this glory that is in us from the beginning, even before we do anything, the same way Jesus did. You know, what do you, think, what do you think when you see or look at um, an ultrasound picture of an unborn baby or when you first see a new baby born? I think you, if you, with the right eyes, we might feel a bit like Simeon looking at Jesus. A child that has just been born or is about to be born has a purpose and a destiny from God. This is a child that God knows and God loves, even though they haven't done anything yet. And that's, that's true for all of us. We can see the potential of, this, of, the, of our children, even if we don't know their future in the way that Simeon did. And all of us start out that way. God, our, God sees us, I think, as our father from the very beginning of our lives, and he tells us we are made in his image, and he loves us. And God is the father who looks at us as a child and sees the future and possibilities of our life, and who still wants that for all of us, to become like him. Um, but I think most of us would acknowledge... Um, over time, we haven't lived up to that potential and to that promise. Um, and that's why it can be hard sometimes, I think, maybe to look at pictures of ourselves as children because we know the mistakes that we made after that time and the things that we've lost um, and the fact that we've failed to be fully human and to have the relationship with God that we were made for. And so that's why God became a human. And that's why Jesus is born, so that he could become the kind of human being that we have failed to be. God became human so that we could become like God. God became human, I think, so that we could become fully human too. And that's what Jesus did. Um, and as Simeon said to Mary and Joseph, that reality, it does bring problems and divisions into our lives because it means that if we believe in Jesus and if we want to receive our humanity from him, we need to change the way we live. It's like a sword that pierces your soul because it needs, means that the parts of our lives that don't fit that need to be cut off, our sins and our failures that are holding us back from knowing God. It is a path of suffering, as Jesus showed. 
Um, but it's the goal and destiny of a human being, and so it's something that we're called to pursue. And so I think this is what the story today is about. Um, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to present him as their firstborn son. So what they were doing was offering to God this special child who was part, set apart for the, his job. And what was his job? Well, it was to be the firstborn son of the new human race, to start something new so that the other children of God, like me and like you, could actually follow after him as well. Now, if you're a Christian, you probably have a few different titles that you might describe to use, use to describe Jesus and your relationship to him. Uh, you might say, he's my Lord, he's my saviour, or my friend. I think we sang about that in our first song. On the basis of our reading today, I'd like to add another possibility or another metaphor for you. Um, I think we can talk about Jesus as being our older brother, or big brother, if you like. So in God's new family, Jesus is the firstborn. And so we're born after him into that family when we put our faith in him. And so he shows us the way then to live in God the Father's house like a good big brother should. And to call Jesus our older brother, I think, can be a way to remind ourselves if we forget that Jesus was fully human, he became one of us, and if we become like him, then we can be fully human as well.